is all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. Listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Behind the Mask. Welcome to Impact Sports Behind the Mask, the only podcast dedicated to Michigan State and Big Ten hockey. I'm your host, Andrew Burkle, alongside my partner, Ryan Collins. Ryan, we're off last week because of Thanksgiving. How's your break, man? It was all right. I don't think it was as good as you. No. You didn't go to Florida. Yeah, I went for a full eight days there. That was pretty great. Hit the wings? Uh, I did twice, actually. How'd you hit him? Uh, lost my dad, so it wasn't so great. But, oh, yeah, that's always tough. But, yeah, we were inspired by the uh, Tiger Phil competition. Did you that watch that? That was brutal, dude. You didn't like it? I mean, it was all right, but they were... It looked like a bunch of slaps out there. They didn't look good at all. <laughs> I feel like people were a little overcritical of it because they, I don't know, you just had so much hype around it. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. what, what did you really expect? Like, it was just a golf match between two dudes who don't like, don't really know each other that well. It had too many cooks in the kitchen with a uh, broadcast, and like, they had like eight guys in the mitts. I didn't really like that. I wish they would have just like focus more on the caddy and golfer interaction, but whatever. Yeah. That's a benign point. Different but. topic, different topic. Although a lot of hockey fans yeah. all go, are so, golf fans, so yeah, it works both ways. Yeah, but, but yeah. What, you, what did you get for Thanksgiving? I mean, not what you get. <laughs> what, do you think a, this is Christmas? Yeah, I don't know. Um, what was your favorite meal on Thanksgiving? Oh, uh, had to be been the turkey. In the uh, the dra- I always cover my turkey with like the potatoes and uh, gravy. I like mash oh, them all no. together. Gravy is not good. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a hot take if I've ever heard one. Whatever. All right. Well, let's get right into the recap. We got two weekends to catch up on because of the holiday. Two weekends ago, the Spartans were swept by Notre Dame at home to open the Big Ten slate. They lost two hard-fought games, falling 3-1 to on Friday and 2-1 to on Saturday. Since it was uh, two weekends ago, we'll give you just a little bit of a rundown on the two games. The Spartans didn't look like the inferior team, really, in either game. They battled hard both comp- in both competitions, Dan- as uh, Danton Cold mentioned. Notre Dame's defense was stifling with Cale Morris and net. He looked to be a Mike Richter award candidate again, and the Spartans just couldn't manage to get the puck in the net. What were your thoughts? I mean, they just—I I went to the game on Friday and covered it. They, they didn't look overmatched. I think that's just the—that was the main point of— uh, that weekend in general. They they did, didn't create enough chances, but their defense really looked good. I mean, DeRidder looked a little bit more comfortable in that. I mean, he let in two goals on 20 shots, and those two opportunities were only good scoring chances Notre Dame really had. It was kind of unfortunate for the Spartans like that. But when you look at it, it's just, can this Spartan team create more chances? And if they can do that in the second and fourth line, they're going to be a successful team because the way they're playing – the way they were playing team defense this weekend showed a possibility for them to be a premier team in the big time. Yeah, and I mean three goals and two goals. I know Notre Dame isn't necessarily an offensive. And one of those powerhouse. was empty net. Yeah, they're not exactly an offensive powerhouse, but basically allowing two goals in each game. I think you, like you said, you got to be happy with your defense. Oh yeah, game. for sure. And I think you see Osborne and. Yeah, Osborne's been really good this year, and I think they just have guys on the back end they're comfortable with, and they don't make a lot of mistakes. And it's just important for, I think, when you looked at it, Saliba has a turnover that turns into a breakaway for the Irish, and they score on their, on a young DeRitter on Friday. They didn't have many of that 
this weekend, and they just didn't get the bounces they were looking for. Like, Cole, after the weekend we talked about Nets, Minnesota, talked about how maybe in their loss at Minnesota, he wasn't as frustrated as he was at Notre Dame because they followed the game plan. So, I mean, he his outlook was you, you just win some and you lose some. So Yeah, I mean, one goal a game is not going to cut it in the Big Ten. Nope. I mean, it's just not going to. You both put from Kodorenko. Yeah, both from Kodorenko. I was, I was going to just mention that. But still, it's one goal a game. you got you got to score more than that if you want to win in the conference. And sometimes, like you said, you're going to get the bounces. Sometimes you're not. But I think I would be disappointed in the team, like as a fan, that they're just not putting the puck in the net as much as they could because they have the horses. They have guys who can score, you know? I think the problem is, and we always talk about it, it's just the KHL line just has way too much stress on their shoulders. I, I think Saliba's line, APAP's line, Lambda, and those guys need to contribute and chip in a little bit if they want more contribution and more consistent scoring because when these guys have off nights, the team has off nights. So This is something I just thought of, actually, but cross sports a little bit. You know how... Sometimes in basketball where there's one awesome player on a team and everybody relies on everything for them. Yeah. To, and so then when the guy has an off night or the guy's on the bench or the guy's hurt, the guys are so, the other guys on the team, the non-star players are so conditioned to working, you know, to relying on that one guy. Yeah. I think that kind of, it kind of compares the, the KHL line where everybody else, I mean, they're not bad. They're not bad players by yeah. any means. But when you're so reliant on one line, they're playing huge minutes when they're not producing – then it kind of just almost, you know, they, they look flat or like they're not as good as they may, may be because of the role they're playing. I, I mean, definitely. And it's just those guys are elite players and they're probably the best line in the big time. I, in my estimation, there's maybe a couple as the Josh Norris line of Michigan's really good. But you you look at this Michigan State team, they just don't have enough contributors. And it, show, it showed a couple weekends ago against Notre Dame. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's switch gears to MSU's most recent series with Minnesota. On Friday, the Spartans were thoroughly out or thoroughly manhandled, to be honest. The Golden Gophers had three goals in the first period, three goals in the second period, and one more in the third for a total of 7-2. to two. MSU got goals from Mitchell Lewandowski and Kodoranko, but they just were never really close. It was pretty much a blowout all the way through. Saturday's game got off to a similar start, but had a much different result. Golden Gophers once again scored the game's first two goals, both from Tyler Sheehy in the second period, but this time the Spartans bounced back. MSU scored two goals in the second period to tie the game up. Then in the third period, a goal by Brody Stevens gave the Spartans a 3-2 lead. They could score one more goal from Tommy Apap, the Spart- Apap and the Spartans would go on to win 4-2. What? Uh, just get right to your takeaways here. What What, were you, what was a, uh, your top takeaway from the series? I mean, you looked at it was a really good bounce back on Saturday, and I think Dan Cole said it in his press conference this week leading up to Michigan. He talked about how big of a win it was on Saturday because I think the season could have got a little bit out of hand if you go out and get shelled again by the Golden Gophers on Saturday after the performance you had on Friday night. But for them to come out and uh, show a little heart after being down 2 to nothing, that's a experience you're not going to be able to gain anywhere else, and that's a it's a really big win for them. And to see the game-winning goal come from Brody Stevens and Tommy Apap to kind of structure that that that's something you see out of good hockey teams your third and fourth line guys contributing more which was what we talked about was the theme from Notre Dame where they just yeah. didn't get that and yeah. then obviously on Friday they really didn't even it was kind of over before they even started they were down 3-0 before let the blink of an eye so they didn't really get the chance to show that as much but then Saturday I think like you said the clear first takeaway is that when the Michigan State's back was against the wall I mean going 0-4 this team this is a team like 
people remember history. Like these guys were on the team last year when they didn't do so well in the Big Ten. So to start 0 4 would have been really it would have been hard for the conference. Yeah, yeah, it's shaking. And then to to go out there and not just you know you win, but you win at Minnesota to get your first win. And also we talked uh, before the show that Michigan State has played uh, Michigan State and Minnesota and. Penn State have all played four games, but everybody else has played six games. So yeah. they basically have two games in hand on some of these teams. Yeah. Uh, specifically, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's got uh, three points ahead in the standings, which we'll talk about later. But Michigan State's got a game in hand on them. That's huge. I mean, two games in hand actually. So yeah, that will really help. And but to, anyway, to go down or to start the season zero and four would have been just a confidence. It would have been brutal. And uh, another interesting thing that happened this weekend: you saw Cole's confidence in DeRitter. I mean, he gets another start after. Lethnam has a shaky night on Friday. He's kind of drawn a little bit cold. But this goalie situation is kind of starting to get a little bit interesting. I don't know who's really the main guy right now. And DeRitter gets his first uh, win on Saturday. He he looks more comfortable in that after getting a custom. He's a smaller guy than Lethnam. He's a little knee-jerk. He has his little tendencies in that. But he looks pretty solid, and he's showing why he was a pretty highly touted recruit. And you know what? That really tells you a lot about how highly Cole thinks of DeRitter because the first four through six games of the season, not count, not Big Ten games, six regular season games, DeRitter was 0-2 and Leatherman was 4-0. And, yep. it would, and not to mention, Leatherman is the older guy and coaches tend to lean on veterans more anyways. It would have been really easy for Dan Cole to just say, you know what? We're gonna ride Leatherman yep. right now, especially in a, a road series at Minnesota where we it's a must win. It was basically a must win game if they yeah. have, if they have aspirations for competing in the com- conference. And to show that, I mean, for DeRitter, how much confidence does that have to show that you know Danton in a must win game back against the wall, he's going to him. I I mean that's huge for him. It's I mean he's a quiet kid as you as we've interviewed him in the locker room. But, I mean, he, he looks confident, and he, he when you play in a U.S. development program like uh, DeRitter has, you get so accustomed to playing college teams and playing in great environments. I think he's not nervous at all that anything that Cole gives him. And for the confidence to be showed that way, I think that's a bait for a young goalie, a young player just in general. No doubt. And, yeah, like you said, that's a good point because those guys all, I mean. They play, like, they play like every Big Ten team, I swear. I know, yeah. Like, and you look at to, the schedule, it's like a joke. Not to mention – as a goalie, confidence is everything, right? And oh, yeah. To be one of the top, what is it, 18 or 20 guys in the country basically selected for this national team development program, you've got to be a confident guy. Yeah. I think that the fact that he started 0-2, a little bit of a rough start in the first few games there, that that shows you the kind of confidence this kid has for sure Yeah. to bounce back. Then the third takeaway we got here, Spartans continue to score in bunches. And four goals, they're down 2-0. to zero, And like we've said a million times already, they could have easily folded like a cheap suit on the road going <laughs> down. Uh, 2-0 once again, but that's not at all what they did. They got four straight goals, and that was absolutely huge. I mean, yeah, I, it's crazy how they do this. I mean, it, it, it seems like when you watch Michigan State, they have one period where they dominate, and if they don't cash in on that period, they're not going to win the game. And on Saturday, they cashed in. Four goals pretty quick. Four, four goals pretty quick in between. But, like, y- you can't count on that. Like, you can't be this streaky, and I think that's why they've kind of come back to earth after a hot start. I mean, you, you can't just rely on you're going to score four goals in a row. They, they haven't really won any of the battles that they've been in so far this season. No doubt. And, you know, well, I guess I would say this is a battle. Uh, you're down 2-0, and then you tie it up, so it's 2-2 after yeah. the second period. Yeah, I mean, I yes, you did score four straight goals. 
And yes, one of the themes still is that this team doesn't necessarily get off to rifling hot starts. But the fact that they scored two more goals after in the third period, I mean, I think that's that shows a lot of guts. This team, it's a yeah. close game. After tied after two periods, that's a close game. I'd it, say. I mean, it was a huge one. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if they lose this game, like we've already said, it puts you 0-4 in the conference, puts you behind the eight ball, and doubt starts to creep in your mind a little bit. And it, it was a big win. And for that, like maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just think this team really hasn't gone in a back-and-forth game. They haven't been able to come up on top yet. I guess back-and-forth is probably more of yeah. an appropriate word yeah, then, because they've had some close games, no doubt. And I think four goals, the four goals in a row, is kind of a statement to where, like we just we touched on it earlier, when it's going good, it's going it's going great, and the the KHL line got those first two goals, yeah, and then then that just got things rolling for the team. Next thing you know, Brody uh, Brody Stevens is putting one in, Tommy Apac p- p- puts one in. You know that those guys got. It seems like those guys kind of got rolling from the KHL line, sparking things up for them. I mean, there were just two opposites. Friday they didn't come out with any energy, and then you come out on Saturday and you buzz around like that. That's a uh... I mean, that's a pretty good statement from a decently young and inexperienced team. Yeah, no doubt. All right, now for the big uh, – let's switch gears to an opponent preview. Michigan coming into town, the uh, in-state rival Wolverines, home-and-home uh, home series with Michigan State. They have a record of 6-5-2 and two, and 2-2-2 two, two, and two in the conference. The Wolverines are led by Josh Norris and Quinn Hughes, two talented sophomores. Norris leads the team with 16 points and eight goals. Hughes, the talented defenseman, has showed America why he was selected seventh overall by the Vancouver Canucks. He's contributing to the offense on the offensive end while being solid at the back end as well as he scored uh, as he's second in points with 15 and leads Michigan with 12 assists. It's pretty impressive from the yeah, back end. There. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a stud. And his brother, who's going to Michigan next year, is even a bigger stud who's going to be the number one pick in the draft this year. That's insane. Isn't it funny how brothers come in like – it seems yeah. like hockey brothers, are yeah. especially. The, I don't know what it is, but yeah. hockey brothers come in packages a lot of times. Josh Norris, Quinn Hughes, and other U.S. development program players. Yeah, no doubt. And Michigan's become a pipeline for that. So I, I think Michigan's pretty hope. They're hopeful. Are they still hopeful to try to get his brother? Isn't it? Uh, is it one's Jack, one's Quinn? Right? Yeah. I think it's I think Jack it's Hughes. Jack Hughes yeah. yeah. I think Michigan's he's committed there, but I. I think it, he's it, like flirting with the OHL, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like get paid under the you, table. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can you imagine if they get uh both the Quinn or if they both the Hughes brothers stay for next year? That'd be that'd be deal. insane, but I don't think that would happen. That's the problem. I mean, Michigan's had so much talent. If you look back at it, like all the U.S. development program that they had cropped there when it was in Ann Arbor, and for them not to have more success with a lot of the guys they've had is kind of surprising. With guys like Larkin, Truba, Cop, um, Kyle Connor, just a bunch of guys who are really talented. For them not to put it into national title hopes has been kind of surprising. And now under Pearson, getting back to the Frozen Four last year, it's been pretty impressive to see what they're doing now. Well, they they may have technically moved the program to uh, Plymouth there or whatever it is, but yeah, they it, still all the kids still go to school at Pioneer, which okay. is in Ann Arbor. So, I mean, they, they are literally right in the backyard yeah. for those kids. I yeah. mean, it's like the ultimate advantage. Yeah, it it's, really is. It's pretty, pretty crazy, especially for, you know, hockey, that you'd have that right in your city. Yep. All right, Michigan's goaltending situation has yet to be resolved as the net has been equally shared the first 14 games between junior Hayden Levine and freshman Strauss Mann. The numbers are pretty similar. Levine has a save percentage of 880, while the freshman currently stands at 874. Mel Pearson's team has started slow or started slow last year but caught fire after the GLI, only losing to three teams after the Frozen Four. At 6-5-2, the Wolverines are 
kind of looking for a similar spark, right? Yeah. I mean, losing after the GLI to only lose three games before getting to the Frozen Four is pretty impressive. And that t- talks to how much like talent they had. Like when you have guys like Quinn Hughes and Josh Norris, once you start getting rolling, it's pretty hard to stop those like top lines and to have a defenseman as dominant as Hughes, it's hard to it's hard to play against that any opponent. Like Michigan State's gonna have a problem dealing with Quinn Hughes on the offensive and defensive end. Two things. One, I agree and the way the same in the same way that losses can kind of creep up on you when you go back to back because the college hockey obviously you play Friday then you play Saturday yeah so you can easily lose two games boom you're on a two game losing streak but on the other hand if you're rolling you can just rip off wins after wins after wins because yep. it's not like a as much of a grind as the NHL schedule where you know it's basically night after night after night this is weekends and you get prepared for each weekend it's more yep. similar to football where you can just rip off ser- weekend after weekend after weekend so. Hockey, especially college hockey, you can really rip off some win streaks in hockey. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, this weekend's obviously a bigger weekend for Michigan and Michigan State as they don't like each other, obviously. And I don't think Michigan State's held their end of the bargain of the rivalry lately because Michigan's been far more talented and better, I think, the last eight to ten years. So it'll be interesting what it looks like at Mon on Friday and Yost on Saturday. Yeah, the other point I was going to make is we talked a little bit earlier about the games at hand. Michigan, they do have they have played six compared to four from Penn State, Minnesota, and Michigan, but they're still. I mean, they haven't had a great start, but they're still in third place, and they're right there, and they're ranked uh, nationally as well. I mean, they score a ton of goals. I think you looked at that Penn State series, and it was a jo- like six seven OT game right there. I think if they could get someone to settle down in that, this team could go on a similar run like they did last year. And that's what it's all about: yeah. hot goaltending and hockey. Yeah. I mean, that's what it, I mean. When it not really even comes... hot, just consistent because it, that's not numbers that you hope for a Frozen Four caliber team. No doubt. All right, let's go to around the boards and look at the Big Ten Conference. It tied for first place as Ohio State ranked number five in the nation. They have 12 points and a record of 9-4-1. Tied for first place with Ohio State is Notre Dame. They are eighth nationally with 12 points and an 8-4-1 record. In third is Michigan, ranked number 14. They have nine points and a record of 6-5-2. Number in uh, Tied for fourth place, a three-way tie for fourth is Penn State. They are number six. They have six points in the conference, and they have a 10-3-0 record. It's crazy to think that Penn State was probably the hottest team in the country coming in the last two weekends ago, and they're in fourth place in the Big Ten. I know. That's a, that just shows how talented this Big Ten is. And B- Penn State's two leading scorers are both at the top of the country in points, so they're able to put the puck in the net with the best of them. Well, yeah, it's definitely still early as well, and they have those two games yeah. at hand, so that helps as well. But they'll be right in the mix. Yeah. But like you said, the Big Ten is really, yeah, it's as just, I like to call yeah. it, the meat grinder. The meat grinder, yeah. <laughs> uh, tied for fourth with Penn State is Minnesota. They are unranked coming off that series with Michigan State. They are have six points and a 4-6-1 and one record. Wisconsin also tied for fourth. They are unranked with six points, a 5-7-2 and two record. And coming in last is Michigan State, unranked. They are six in the conference with three points, 5-7-0 and oh record. They actually, I was looking at the uh, the rankings and like the national rankings. Yeah. Uh, Michigan State received seven votes, while Minnesota received six and uh, Wisconsin received five. So they did receive the most votes out of the teams in the Big Ten who, did, who aren't ranked, which is kind of... Actually, kind of surprising. Whenever I think of like college hockey rankings, I just like looked at the top twenty. I'm like, oh, Mission State creeps in there. That's pretty good. And then I realized there's probably like only like there's not that many college hockey. It's around like eighty teams. It's no, like, it's 60. sixty. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like you're you're half like the half. Yeah. yeah. You're like 
that's crazy to think about. So well, being a top 20 team is not necessarily the greatest accomplishment. That means this year in the top third, yeah. really, yeah. is what it's saying. But still, I mean, the way things have been going for Michigan State in the recent years, I think they would, they would easily take, take yeah, being yeah, in the top. Easily. Because I remember uh, two years ago when I first started getting on the hockey beat and covering the team a little bit, I did what you're the, what's coming up next here, uh, the stats don't lie. And every single stat, basically, Michigan was state was either 60th or 58th or 57th. They were literally, as the team stats, every single one was ranked in the, in the bottom. <laughs> so, I mean, I think at this point, receiving votes in the in the uh, yeah the most votes of the non-ranked teams of the Big Ten is it's progress. I mean, it's not nothing I mean, to, you know write yeah. home about, but it's still progress. I mean, they're way more competitive than they've been in the last four to five years. I would say, no doubt. Yeah. All right, stats, facts, don't lie, time. Hit us, Ryan. Okay. Spartans have gone 0-22 on the power play their last six teams after starting the season scoring at least one goal on the peeper. That's pretty crazy to think about. Dude, we we were talking about, like, that's their strength of their team. Like they, Yeah. At Ferris, we're just like, I, I, I don't think this team, this power play could be stopped. I know. Like, it, yeah. it, when they had that KHL line rolling with Cessna out there and just. And then you have Milan in front of that. They, it was working very well. The puck movers on that. It's crazy how. I mean that just shows you how big of a game of bounces hockey can be sometimes. I mean, I mean it really is. I still think that this that power play unit is legit. I think yeah. that they can score on anybody at any time and the fact that they've gone basically 22 straight times without scoring that's pretty pretty crazy. I mean yeah, I mean their percentage was at 33% and in 3 weeks it's dropped to 19. Wow. That's pretty that's a pretty severe drop. And to look at it, I mean they go on a power play a lot too. So I and that you're right with the bounces. I mean, Cotorinko hits the post twice, I think, against Notre Dame. So, I mean, it's there. It's just they're not able to cash in. Okay, second one, Michigan State has outshot opponents by 22 shots in the first period this season, yet they've been outscored 10-7. to 7. So that's showing they're just not cashing in on their opportunities in the first period. Again, bounces. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Not, not even – I mean, you have the game of hockey is such – it's uh, so fickle. If you're not able to capitalize on the little run you're going on, it's hard once they make their run to manufacture a goal. And the Spartans are not seeming to be able to manufacture goals when they're in control. Right, and hockey's like so back and forth, really. Like if you have your shot and you don't like perfect example is thinking of it. Obviously, it's like on steroids, but the three on three in the NHL, where basically if you don't score, if you have a chance, a two on one chance, and you don't score. There's a very good chance the other team is going to go down and score the other way. And the same thing, it's obviously lightened up. But if you have chance after chance after yeah. chance and you don't score, the other team is eventually going to get their breakout and go the other way and probably put the puck in the net at some point. I know exactly what you're talking about. Being a Red Wings fan, you see him basically Dylan Larkin pinch every time and being the worst three on three player in the NHL, even though he's like a good speed player. demon. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. But what? That's a different story. Uh, number three, Tara Hirose hasn't scored in six games this season. MSU record in those games, one and five. I mean, he, his con- contribution, he's kind of been quiet the last couple of weekends. And for him to get going, second game at Minnesota was pretty huge for them. And he, he's their best player, I think. Me too. And he's Him the or one, Lewandowski, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Lewandowski hasn't really been going either. I, no. I think I think Hiroshi stirs the drink, though. He's no got, doubt. Yeah. So I think he's the most crucial. Even though Kodorenko's been putting up probably better numbers than Lewandowski. And that, I think those two more, are more direct correlation of this team's success. And I think that, I mean, you saw Coda Ranko get going. He had two goals in uh, what game? He had the two goals in the Notre Dame series. And then did he score in the uh, Minnesota game, the one they, they won? Yeah. Uh, yeah, either way. But, yeah, he scored in the 7-2 to loss to Minnesota. 
And then the other game, he scored oh the second goal to tie yeah. tie it up at two. So Kodarenko's been putting the puck in the net a lot. I mean, once Big Ten play started, he's been a beast. Yeah. He scored every but game. But still, the fact that that record pretty much says it all, doesn't it? One in five in games when, yeah. when he hasn't scored. Yeah, so that I thought that was a pretty interesting stat. After starting hot, junior goalie John Lathman has hit kind of a rough patch, four straight losses, and his save percentage in the last four appearances Point seven sixty. That is not good. Not good at all. And, and I mean that kind of maybe points to why uh, Dan Cole decided to go to De Ritter in a cl- in a close game and a must win game earlier. Uh, I mean he pulled Lethnum after in the second period in the first game of the weekend. So I mean that was the first time you've seen that all season where the Spartans have had to make a goalie change mid game and uh, it, it it's really an interesting topic to going forward. I'm really curious who gets to start on Friday. I would assume it's DeRitter trying to get him in that. Actually, I don't know. I think they could put DeRitter on uh, Saturday. Guys are accustomed to playing at Yost Arena a lot. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I That's think, actually an interesting I actually take. think they'll play DeRitter Friday in, so? the, in the home game. Just because they don't, they might not want DeRitter against that that home or that uh, away The children of the Yost. Yeah, I mean, that those guys are ruthless. Yeah, they are. And you could they just hound the goaltender the whole time. And I know Leatherman played there last year, so he's yeah. more... He's more accustomed to it, probably. I think if I had to guess, that's how I'd say they'd go, especially riding the hot hand with DeRitter on the yeah. win. Yo, Serena, brightest arena in all of sports. Well, I, I, it's unbelievable how people don't get headaches playing there. Dude, it didn't used to be like that. It I know. To, it, it, it used to be dingy. And, it used to be like so uh, so bad, and then they like got the, the, like the brightest lights of all time. They overcompensated. Yeah. It, I mean, it looks sweet from outside, and it's cool inside, but um, like chill on the lights, Michigan. I know, yeah. Who's ever working the lights, figure it out for me. My mom told me this story one one time I obviously grew up in Ann Arbor. She said she was at a game and it was like I think it was either hot it was hot or outside and cold in the arena and all of a sudden the the whole arena was just covered in fog. And to the <laughs> point where they had to stop the game and the players had to skate around to clear the uh to clear the ice up so that people could see. Isn't that that's just how old Yost is and just like the malfunctions they have. It's yeah. just like a crazy stadium. It's a sweet building still. It but, is, yeah. yeah. It's going to end, number five, it's going to be crucial for the Spartans to start hot because Michigan this season has been really good with leads. They're 3-1 and one after leading after the first period, and when they have a lead after two periods, they're 4-1. So it's in, like the Spartans can't start slow, or, or they're going to struggle because Michigan seems to kind of put it on you once they get ahead. And that's just, I mean, that's how every sport is. When it's, Some teams are really good with a lead, and some teams just aren't as good with it, leads. It's crazy to think about that with, like, the shaky goaltending they've had, how good they've been with a lead. Yeah. So I, it must, ma- like, their offense, that means, when they get a lead, that means their offense is going. Right, yeah. And also, I think that that not just because how good Michigan is with a lead, obviously, but coming out to a, hot, a decent start. It doesn't have to be blazing. They don't have to go up to a 4-0 lead, but yeah. don't go down 3-0. That's the one thing that Michigan State has been doing that just, you know, they take themselves out of the game before yeah. the game even starts, and you can't do that, especially against big-time opponents. I, I, I mean, they really haven't done that a lot this year. I think they did it against Arizona State once, and they did it against Minnesota on Friday, but, I mean, if, you, if they're able to continue to play close games, you would expect them to somehow come out with victories in some of them. So it, it, it's important, though, that they get off to a good start. Yeah, no doubt. All right, prediction time. Okay, I'll go first. Okay. Hit I expect us. MSU to have their best crowd of the season. Yeah, uh, the Munsters, as the student section is called at Michigan State. Stupid is, name. I don't like the name. 
It's better than the A team. Okay, the A team was terrible, but the monsters. The A team made zero sense. Zero sense. We can all agree on the A team yeah, being a terrible was... name. What what is your what's a better name for it? Oh wait, Let's because Anastas Anastas was that A team. That's why with the last name. It's still don't get me wrong, terrible name. Made no sense. But no. what's better than the monsters? I mean, do we have to call it anything? I yeah, I kind of like the monsters. You do? It's kind of weird, but I kind of like it. But I I expect them to have their best crowd, most ruckus crowd, because Michigan always brings that fire out for Michigan State fans, the no hatred, doubt. and you're just gonna see a louder crowd, a better environment. I think Michigan State will come out buzzing, and I think they'll pretty they'll win pretty decisive in East Lansing on Friday. But I think the opposite will happen on Saturday, causing Michigan State to split as U of M. It kind of gets into a frenzy at Yost. I don't. I don't expect any team to sweep either way because I, 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 with this type of rivalry and like the history, I don't have numbers. Not a fat guy, even though I do the stats. Don't lie yet. I'm just saying, <laughs> not a fat guy. So a fat guy. guy. I'm a gut guy. Gut guy. Just, I don't know what I'm saying, but I feel <laughs> like every time this team, these teams play a home and home, it's it, they split, and it's one has a device decisive victory, and then the other has a decisive victory. It's never you never really see, especially in the home and home aspect of these two playing. You don't really see them sweep. No doubt, and I think you just read my my prediction that I had written in the Google Doc because oh I didn't I, I didn't I did I'm kidding because I had basically the exact same thing written down. These home and home series are always weird where it's so it's only seventy miles apart. But last year both games are blowouts, and yeah. I kind of expect it to go the same way this year. I think that MSU rides the momentum. They got the home game on Friday. To get back-to-back wins would be huge, and I think they know that. I think that they come out with a lot of energy, take care of business on Friday night. And then Saturday, I think Michigan, I mean, they have dudes. Yeah. Like we said that, they got dudes. And I think that Saturday, behind that Yost crowd, behind those the children of Yost, yeah. as you call them, they, I think that so that, that's That's a good student section name right there. No, no doubt, yeah. And I think that they're too much on Saturday. I think it's going to be a couple blowouts, maybe 4-1. Yeah. 3-1 each way, each way, just not really that close of games. Maybe next week we can workshop some MSU student section Yeah, games. you have to put me on the spot a little bit. Yeah, like, What's sorry. your best name? Say it I now. I don't know. Say it now. No, that's what you did to me. So. The Coolers. I don't know. <laughs> the Coolers. <laughs> the Coal Miners. Yeah, the, yeah, I don't know. All right, we'll think of something for next week. If you are listening and have any ideas, pitch them on our Twitter page or tweet us on uh, Twitter on our Twitters. I'm at Andrew Burkle. Ryan, what are you? At Ryan Collins, 524. Give it a follow. Yeah. Not a bad I mean, not a bad It's not account. gonna hurt you. It's not yeah. gonna hurt you. It's just not help me, but <laughs> anyways, I predict Friday Michigan State wins, Saturday Michigan wins. Anyways, that will do it for this week's episode of Behind the Mask for WDBM Sports. I'm Andrew Burkle. I'm Ron Collins. Thanks for joining us.